Hello. My name is Larry Dobrow. I am the editor-in-chief of MMM, and I am thrilled to be here today to host this edition of the MMM podcast with Yusuf Chuku, who is the EVP of Client Strategy and Insights for NBC Universal Advertising and Partnerships, and Lauren Zweifler, who is the SVP of Insights and Positioning for NBC Universal Advertising and Partnerships. Yusuf and Lauren are going to be the two headliners for our upcoming MMM Media Summit, which is scheduled for Monday, November 7th in New York City. Um, more information, please visit mmm-online.com. We're going to tease a little bit about the keynote that Yusuf and Lauren will be delivering. Thanks so much for joining me here today. Thank you for having us. Glad to be here, Larry. Thank you. All right. So tell us about your function. Um, tell us a little bit about the insights and research function at NBC Universal and about the work that the team does for client partners, for agency associates, and uh, everybody else. Yeah, uh, absolutely. People often think about kind of a sales team as kind of being a whole load of sellers. And I, I think if, if you if you think about the Air Force, you kind of mistakenly think they're just all pilots. <laughs> but the reality <laughs> is there are a ton of engineers and various other people kind of um, in the background, and, and and the insights and research function is essentially that we are kind of a, a multidisciplinary team of, sort of researchers, analysts, data scientists, and each and every one of us is sort of focused on delivering thought-provoking insights um, around kind of consumer behaviour, content, creativity, and and, and culture. Um, and and the idea is really that those those insights can not only inform but also inspire and, and really start to unlock opportunities for, for, our, for our agencies and client partners. Um, I, I think our business has fundamentally changed in, in, in a sense. You know, there was a time years ago when I think clients and agencies really just came to us to buy airtime. Um, but the reality is as, as the marketing challenges become more complex, um, we find our clients not just in search of airtime, but, but really in search of solutions. And so that's where we start to bring the insight that can really start to, to bring those solutions to life. Lauren, would love to get your take on the same question. Absolutely. I could tell you from like 30 years ago when I started in this business, it was a lot about, oh, just give me a rating or just tell me the composition of the audience. And now it's we're completely having independent conversations, whether it's the agency or the client direct, uh, really getting into their business objectives, their business challenges, their goals, understanding their sector, and providing insights that are more consultative and, and frankly, rise all ties, right? We're, we're looking at things, whether it's multicultural, which this research is about that we'll be presenting in a few weeks, whether it's about the, the value of news, um, really consultative, that really gets at the heart of what our marketplace needs. and. We focus a little bit on what Yusuf coined, so I don't want to steal it, but like findings, understanding, and action, right? Like, what did, what did the data and the research yield? What's the perspective and what's the application and how people could use that? And it's very, very different. And it's actually very exciting to be part of helping our partners, external partners, really achieve their business goals. To follow up on that, Lauren, you mentioned a little bit about the evolution from where it started 30 years ago. The idea, give us a number. Question for both of you then is, how, how has this changed your job fundamentally? Is it harder? Is it uh, easier? Is it just different? And um, specifically over the last two and a half years during the pandemic, how has your job and your um, role evolved? Uh, uh, we're busy. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone, right? Exactly. No, no I, I think what the last two and a half years has really um, 
unleashed is sort of rapidly shifting consumer behavior. You look at certain certain things that, that, that were, were very foreign to people uh, just a couple of years ago, suddenly are, are everyday things. And so it's amazing how, um, how, how many sort of changes and shifts that, that, that we have seen. But that shift has both created problems, um, but also offered up potentially new and interesting solutions and opportunities. Um, and so in times of uncertainty, um, it's great to be a researcher and, and a finder of insight, just because the demand for our services have, has, has been huge, both in terms of supporting our sales teams, but also um, supporting agencies and, and, and our client partners. Um, and so it's, it's, it's been a good time to be a researcher, despite everything yeah. else. <laughs> despite everything else is the automatic exactly. caveat, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> Lauren, I, same question for you. Um, the, the evolution that you initially alluded to, how has that changed your thinking about what you do? It used to be quite reactive. Like back in the day, it was just waiting for external clients to ask us questions or internal sales. And now I'm thinking six to nine to 12 months. Like today, I'm like, what are we doing next year? What's our plan for 2023? What insights are we needing to understand so that we could give them to whether it's folks internally or externally? I'm, I'm constantly, and I do think the pandemic actually helped us a lot because we had more exposure to more meetings. Everyone was included more. So you learn more about what was going on, even if we're not in all the client meetings or in the agency meetings. And you could get that intel that's like, okay, now I know what research we need to do today for three months from now or six months from now. Um, so I think it's more exciting. Yes, that lends itself to being busier, but I feel like we're getting ahead of the game and, and being able to, we were told and, and specifically on this research that we're going to share that we're like a year ahead of the agency and being able to really hone in on how to authentically market to multicultural consumers. So it's it's good. It's like we're consultative, but like we're we have to like think so far ahead, um, and that definitely was a game is a game changer, and it's a good one. Has client receptivity to some of the research, some of the insights that you're both presenting, has that increased? Are they more willing to listen, or are some of the pressures that have come down with everything over the last two and a half years almost made people a little bit more impatient, saying like, all right, you know, where are we this moment now? There are a couple of answers to that. I think I think one is that my perception is that there are less researchers and insights people at agencies and they're looking yeah. at publishers to help them where they might have gaps on their side. Um, the clients seem to be leaned in too because they're doing their own research where we're providing research from like a different perspective and a different angle or bringing the category and the industry and the sector together with our content and IP and their advertising, it's like this nice trifecta. We're looking at things differently and then they can include that in their future business plans. So I, I think it's a lot more receptive. I mean, honestly, Yusuf and I talk about this where there are times that we have conversations and they just want the insights people. They just want Yusuf's client strategy people in the room and then they will go back and talk to the salespeople. Well, and that's obviously a shift from what we've traditionally seen, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it, it, it goes back to um, what essentially kind of we are are, are providing. So I, I think the, it, 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 like I said, it kind of isn't just about the, the, the media buying. It's about kind of the 
the insight that that, that comes with it or that, that, that leads to it um, that I think is 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 vital not not just for how clients can use our platform um, but also kind of how they can take that through to other areas of their their, their marketing it's 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 I, I you know the, the, some of the work we've been doing is very interesting because it, it, it not only informs marketing but but we have also used it to to start to inform how we we create content um and so i, I if you think about kind of market marketing as, as, as storytelling like a lot of the the insight that you, you need to bring to the the creative process uh, are very similar to the the, the, the insight that we, we bring to the process of creating content um and so we found that that, that people are are questioning kind of like what we are thinking as an you know what, what is nbc universal thinking about x or y how are you approaching it in terms of how you are storytelling creating content um, because actually those learnings are applicable to to the world of marketing it actually leads in uh, nicely to something i want to ask you um i think traditionally nbc universal has always been ahead of the curve um there's been a lot of research and a lot of very smart research i think on uh, polycultural consumers the importance of identity tell me about some of the past efforts i'm um, not necessarily the one that you'll be uh, presenting at the conference in a couple weeks um, what were some of the most important takeaways some of the most important insights and how have they been put into action i'll i'll answer that one to start larry Working here for eight years and, um, you know, really focused on Telemundo, but again, it's agnostic and rise all tides. It's the same way that we've looked at things for news. So specifically in the multicultural area, we had gotten a lot of pushback from the marketplace. Like, I don't have the right creative. I need to know that while the Hispanic population is growing, that my media is actually creating incremental revenue. So a lot of mix of qual and quantitative research, but really all the way from upper funnel to lower funnel and end to end research that really has helped our marketplace understand the type of creative they need to build to truly authentically reach Hispanics. And now that has gone into obviously all multicultural inclusive of people with disabilities and the LGBTQ community. Um, we've partnered with Magna a couple of times and they have a think tank, which is the IPG Magna Media Labs. And we've done two studies with them. And one is like, you know, it's a fallacy that you feel like you could market endemically to Hispanics the same way that you would market to general market and, and the value that comes out of your KPIs when you think about that and then the creative that you need to develop. And then most recently, we did a project with them last year and we coined it De Deconstructing Diversity Today and really understanding identity and how people understand their identity and, and the communities that they gravitate toward and what that means for content as well as advertising and, and what happens when a marketer is authentic and does represent accurately and well and what that means for that consumer connection to those products and services. Yusuf, your take on some of the previous research and um, some of your takeaways um, along the lines of what Lauren just shared. Yeah, I, I, I probably dig a little bit more into um, one of our kind of more, more recent um, pieces of research where, where we were really um, digging into kind of the, the, the polycultural consumer and kind of essentially kind of getting into understanding kind of identity. Um, I think one of the probably one of the the, the the biggest sort of I guess takeouts is is this idea that that identity is 
kind of multifaceted. And, and often we think about it as, um, you know, we, we might think about it as, as a, a thing that like is, is thrust on people, but actually the reality is it's a choice. It's a choice we kind of make. We, 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 are, we, we choose our identity. Um, yes. And what, what we found is actually 87% of people feel, feel a strong attachment to, to multiple communities. So kind of this, 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 this identity is, 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 is multifaceted. But, but probably even more importantly, uh, there is a desire within people to connect to, to kind of cultures that, that actually aren't their own. And so we, we found this, this, this kind of openness to kind of other cultures, which, which I think sometimes you might, you might think of it, whatever the headlines might portray as people kind of retreating into their group. The reality is that actually amongst, amongst many people, there is an openness to other cultures, an openness to kind of understand and learn. Uh, what, what you've both just said about identity, about representation, um, do you think it matters more acutely? I don't know if acutely is the right word, but does it matter more in medical and health related issues than it does elsewhere? I mean, certainly, as we've learned, you know, not to keep going back to the for the last two and a half years, but, you know, as we've learned, you know, health is everything. Um, does how, how important is it within this sector specifically? I, I think massively important. If anything, the kind of um, the last the last few years has, has really taught us that health is is everybody's business. I've sort of been talking a little bit about kind of like you know you think a few years ago the whole thing kind of many brands were kind of in the area of purpose and we're kind of like what's what's our our, our, our point of view on on, on purpose and I, I think kind of health is is that new dimension. It, it's it's hard for for any brand to kind of not feel that they need to um, be, be involved in this space. I'd probably also look to kind of maybe sort of some of the shifts that are happening in 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 the health world and, and, and why an understanding of, of sort of the the polycultural consumer is, is, is so important. You know, health has increasingly become kind of more and more personalized. And so um what 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 we do know is that um there is you know if, if anything there's kind of an, an expectation amongst consumers um that like that the healthcare I get is going to be personalized to me and it's going to be kind of convenient. And if anything, there's kind of this, this uberfication. So I expect kind of my, my interaction with the health world to be on, on par with, with Uber or, or Amazon. So kind of, you should know me, you should know what I need, anticipate it. And, and the experience should be seamless. Um, at the same time, we know that there is inequity. And, and, and despite kind of the, the laudable efforts by the sort of the, the health industry to kind of address that health, the sort of health inequity, it, 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 there is still a lot of work to be done. Uh, there's a, a motivating statistic that, that, that we found, which kind of brings, it's around life expectancy. So if, if you got on the two train from downtown Manhattan uh, and you travel to, to Brownsville, over you know, the east of Brooklyn, um, on that train journey, life expectancy will drop by 11 years. This is just within New York City. And so you kind of you start to see how, how that still there are communities that really are not, not really kind of um, getting the most out of what, what kind of should be, should be available to them. Um, and so kind of the beginning of, of kind of bringing true health equity starts from really understanding these consumers understanding their needs, understanding the, the, the barriers and challenges and, and starting to create communication that, that, that connects with them.
And that actually leads us nicely into um, our tease for the Media Summit, again, um, November 7th here in New York City, that um, the two of you will be keynoting. The methodology that went into the representation hierarchy research that you're going to be presenting, um, give us a little bit of a tease. Um, tell us and tell everybody who hopefully will be there with us um, what they can expect to hear about. Absolutely. Uh, this was a three-pronged approach. and. Um, the research started at the end of Q4 of 20. So I do want to be very clear that this, some of this thought leadership, some of the research that we do does take a while and it goes into different phases and stages. So we were hearing, especially coming out of a lot of the incidences in the spring of 2020, um, that our marketers were concerned and they didn't feel like they had the right insights. They didn't have the right information to truly create authentic creative and, and frankly, any consumer touch points, whether it's their apps or their websites and that they wanted our help, not really a checklist, but really our help to help them create the best creative they can. Look, they have 15, 30, 60 seconds at best to create a message about their product and service, but they want to ensure that they're marketing to all multicultural consumers. And so we did qualitative research with what we call B2B. We did in-depth interviews with clients and agencies to understand their challenges. We then did a community with various multicultural consumers to understand what they wanted, not just from content, but from advertising and from brands when it comes to multicultural representation. And then we did obviously quantitative that validated what we uncovered in this representation hierarchy. And again, it's not really a checklist, but it's a way to get marketers to think differently and maybe uniquely and incrementally to the research they've done themselves. Like what is critical in terms of all multicultural consumers? And we talk about, we uncovered in the qualitative presence, cultural signifiers, empowerment, and then integration. And what we're doing now, um, and working possibly again with the IPG Magna Media Trials is to understand when your creative has just presence, what does that do for your brand equity and your KPIs for your campaigns? And then when you get to the highest level, and it's like pieces of the puzzle, they all work together. When you have all four levels of the hierarchy, um, what happens with your KPIs and brand equity? And so three-pronged approach, qualitative and quantitative, um, to really help our marketers understand end-to-end -end how to market to multicultural consumers. Right. And um, this is the last question I have for you. And without giving anything away, um, are there elements that are going to surprise us from what you found? I think the, probably the differences across, right? Like there are differences and, and we measure not just advertising, we also measure content too. And we're working in concert with our program research teams. I think it's a little bit of when you look at the Asian community, the African-American black community, you look at Hispanic, mixed race, LGBTQ and people with disabilities, there are nuances, right? So for example, what we uncovered in the qual that also came through in the quad was that the Asian community is saying, I just want to be seen. Like, I don't feel like I'm actually being seen today and I want to just be in a commercial. I just want to see myself um, where other communities are feeling seen, but they may not be feeling seen authentically. And I, do, you know, do you know what one of the, the biggest, well, not surprises, but I think one of the things that maybe people won't realize the power of it is that actually to be seen sometimes is only just the smallest of things that need to be done for people to kind of feel that they have been 
recognized and, and, and seen. And I'll, I'll use an example actually from one of our shows. And so I was, was talking to one of the writers from New Amsterdam, which is a great kind of medical drama that, that touches on a lot of social issues and, and, and their connection to the health world. Uh, but she talked about a scene that, that took place in a, a barbershop. So straight away, there was this connection to black American audiences, but, but it went a little bit deeper. She, like the scene, she wrote into the scene a, a Trinidadian beer, um, and, and it was made, they made reference to it. And she was like, it was a really small part of that scene, but she had multiple emails from people saying that's the first time that like, I felt like Trinidad <laughs> was making an appearance in a mainstream show. And, and they, like, she, she basically created a whole load of super fans just from the presence of that beer in a scene. And so you kind of see that the, the opportunity for brands to, to connect with audiences in, in what might seem like small ways kind of actually has a huge amount of power um, and for them. I can't wait to hear the full uh, research when you guys speak at the conference. Yusuf, Lauren, thank you so much for joining me here today. Um, really enjoyed the conversation and I'm very much looking forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Larry. For the MMM podcast, this is Larry Dobrow. Many thanks for listening and be well. That's it for this week. If you like this episode, please give it a thumbs up. Better yet, subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice and help others discover the show. The MMM podcast is produced by Bill Fitzpatrick, Deborah Stahl, Bradley Weems, and Gordon Failer. Our theme music is by Sizzy M. Sohn. We're out every week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.